Good morning and uh, welcome, whether you're here uh, in church or whether you're on Zoom, uh, good morning on this uh, first uh, Sunday of Holy Week, um, celebrating the triumphal entry. Um, just to say that uh, as we begin uh, Holy Week, um, there is an opportunity to come together and to pray again this evening for Ukraine. Um, just got a, a scripture that came to mind just before the service. Um, on Maundy Thursday, Jesus was praying uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane. And uh, it says this in verse 40 of Matthew chapter 26. He came to the disciples and found them sleeping. And he said to Peter, so could you not watch with me one hour? Watch and pray that you may not enter into temptation. The spirit is indeed willing, but the flesh is weak. I thought there was a challenge uh, to us there as we as we enter into Holy Week that we need to be watchful in prayer. So please do make it a priority tonight. Six o'clock in the church lounge this evening, we're going to continue in prayer for uh, the nation of Ukraine, um, for God to continue to intervene and to bring this uh, injustice and evil uh, to an end. So please do join us um, uh, tonight. Um, just to say that through Holy Week, there is a communion service here on Friday morning at 10 o'clock. Everybody's welcome, so please join us um, this Friday at 10 a.m. for the communion service, and then uh, next Sunday we have uh, four people being baptised here at 10.30, so looking forward to, uh, to Easter Sunday. So with that, I'm going to hand over to Steve. Thank you. Thank you very much. So good morning, everybody, um, and to those on Zoom, no one wave, so hello, hopefully they're waving back. Um, just to say, actually, Martin mentioned that we've got communion on Good Friday and a service here on Good Friday. Just to mention that, especially for those on Zoom, it is actually communion today. So if you haven't got your elements ready, then please make sure that you have, um, as we'll be uh, doing, uh, doing communion after um, our opening worship. Um, so please, yeah, make sure that you've got that because next Sunday is a little bit packed, I think, since we've got four amazing baptisms happening. Um, so, uh, yeah, so communion is now this week. Well, let's just pray before we start. Father God, we thank you that we can come here this morning and rejoice and bring our hosannas and bring our praise to you this morning. Lord, just as the people praised you as you walked into Jerusalem, Lord, help us to lift up your name this morning and to give you the glory and the honour that's due your name. And so, Lord, come by your Holy Spirit now. Fill us with joy. Fill us with expectation. Lord, that you're going to move in power this morning. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So let's stand and sing um, and give God our praise.
praise before our God this morning for those on Zoom if you want to unmute and just uh, give your prayers of praise otherwise if you're in the sanctuary here then just lift your arm up and uh, somebody will come to you with a microphone 
reading from John 12. When a great crowd of Jews heard that Jesus was at Bethany, they came, not only on account of Jesus, but to see Lazarus, whom he had raised from the dead, for they were together. The next day, a great crowd had come for the feast. They heard that Jesus was coming, so they took branches from the palm trees and went to meet him, crying, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Jesus came riding on an ass, and the people laid their palms in his path. Pharisees said, look, the world has gone after him. Thank you, Lord, for his word. Jesus, we want to proclaim Hosanna this morning with the host of heaven, because Jesus, that means uh, save now. And we thank you, Jesus, that you have saved us, which means you've rescued us and brought us into the freedom of knowing God as our loving Heavenly Father. You've set us free from sin. You've forgiven us. You've put your spirit in us. You've given us the assurance of eternal life. You've filled us with joy in believing. Jesus, you have saved us and you go on saving us until that day when we meet with you and we will be changed in the twinkling of an eye. We will be as you are, perfect without sin. But Jesus, thank you that you go on saving us. You go on working powerfully in our lives, changing us from one degree of glory to another. Lord, thank you for your mercy, your patience with us. Thank you that you don't treat us as our sins uh, deserve, but that you took the punishment for us on the cross and you paid the penalty in your death. Jesus, we're in awe and wonder again. We proclaim Hosanna to the King of Kings. We worship you, we bow the knee, because Jesus, you are the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords, and we love you and we worship you. Be the King in this place this morning, we pray. Amen. Amen.
So, Father, thank you that you've ordained praise from our lips. Lord, thank you that we morning to just praise and worship you in wonder and awe and majesty, knowing that you are the King of kings and the Lord of lords. And so, Lord, as we come now to meet around your table, to remember your sacrifice, your love for each one of us, Lord, help us again to remember Help us to not just take the bread and the wine lightly, but Lord, remembering your sacrifice, remembering your love for us, remembering that through it we were saved. And so Lord, we just thank you and praise you. Amen. Hand over to Martin for communion. Yeah, the uh, young people are gonna uh, go out to their group, but let's pray for them as they, uh, as they go. Lord, we thank you for um, the children's church. And Lord, they're going to be meeting just for a, a, a little while in another part of the building to us. But Lord, just as we're going to receive your teaching, Lord, I pray that the, the teaching they receive would feed them. Lord, be with their leaders, fill them with your spirit. And Lord, I pray that you would build them up and strengthen them through your word as they go. In Jesus' name. Amen. Can I ask, ooh, hello. Can I ask the um, communion team to, uh, to come forward? Thank you. We invite everyone to share in this uh, simple meal. It, uh, you don't have to be a member of this church. You just have to be a follower of Christ, someone who submitted to him, invited him into your life to be Lord and King. Um, if, if that's not you, you are very welcome uh, to, to just reflect on the meaning of this meal. Just allow the bread and the wine to, to pass you by. But do reflect on the bread which speaks of the body of Christ, which was sacrificed for you. And do reflect on the wine, the juice, which reminds us of the blood of Christ shed for the forgiveness of our sins. Let's pray. Jesus, we're in awe and wonder again that you should pay the penalty for our sin, that you should be our substitute in dying on the cross that you should turn away the wrath of God on our sin. And yet you did that for us. It was my sin that held you there on the cross. Lord, we come as we are. We are saved by grace. And yet, Lord, we recognize that we have sinned against you in what we have said, what we have done, what we have thought, and what we have left undone. Jesus, thank you for that glorious promise that when we confess our sin, you are faithful and just, and you will forgive us from all unrighteousness. So we ask Jesus now that you would cleanse us as we confess our sin. Please cleanse us and forgive us and clothe us again in the righteousness of Christ. 
And Holy Spirit, I pray that as we feed on this bread, that you would feed us with your grace, strengthen us, bread of heaven, for the journey ahead. And as we drink this wine, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you would reassure us again that we are forgiven, we are cleansed, and that we belong as children of God to the family of God. So come, Holy Spirit, be present, be active as we take bread and wine, and help us to draw near to you, Jesus. And as we draw near to you, we ask that you would draw near to us and fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. So we remember that Jesus took bread, and after he had given thanks, he broke it and said, this is my body, which is given for you. So we will eat the bread as we receive it. And we remember that after supper, Jesus took the cup and said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood. Do this whenever you drink it in remembrance of me. We'll hold on to our cups and all drink together as a sign of our unity in the Lord.
So we drink this with thanksgiving. move now into a time of open prayer. Um, if you're on Zoom, please do unmute and uh, speak out your prayer. Or if uh, you're here in the sanctuary again, just uh, if you want to pray, put up your hand and there'll be a, a microphone given so that you can be heard uh, here and on Zoom too. So let's, uh, let's uh, pray as the Spirit leads. Father, as we comprehend what the meaning of this meal is and the completed work of Christ on the cross for us, mm. Father, we just, our heart is overwhelmed with thanksgiving and praise. And Father, we just rejoice today in that which was done on our behalf to bring us into this living relationship that we can have with Jesus Christ. Yes. Oh, Father, we just feel that thanks in us tonight, to, today. Yes. I praise your name. Yeah. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. Father God, we thank you that you are the God of hope, yeah. that you are the God who brings resurrection, restoration, renewal, and new life. Yes. Thank you, Father. Yeah. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Lord, that as we stumble <clears throat> through the deepest and darkest valleys, and we don't, <coughs> sorry, we do not know where we are and where we are going. We just lift our eyes to the hills, to the mountain tops where your light is shining. Yeah. Thank you, Lord, that your light will guide us through the deepest, darkest valleys. Amen. Thank you, Lord. Yeah. Amen. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Thank you. We thank you that you hand hung on that cross for me, for each and every one of us, for mankind. Yes. You gave of yourself. We thank you, Lord. It's a gift beyond, beyond measure. And we bless you, Lord. Mm. Thank you for... Mm being our saviour, for that's who you are. You've saved us. Thank you. Saved us. Saved us out of hell. Greetings and grabbing on us. But we just um, praise you and thank you. You are our wonderful saviour. Yeah. Indeed, what a saviour. 
we have. We thank you. Amen. Amen. <clears throat>
Um, I'm going old school this morning, no PowerPoint, um, didn't have time for that, so um, I'm so forgive me if I'm flicking around in my Bible here, um, but uh, this is how we used to do it, isn't it? We used to use Bibles and stuff, do you remember those days? Um, anyway, uh, so if you're a visual person, I apologise for the lack of visuals uh, this morning. Um, what do people out there think about Jesus? Um, you might want to ask, what do people in here think about Jesus as well? But uh, I'm going to focus on what do people in wider society think about Jesus? Well, um, a few years ago, we had um, Roy Crown here, who's an evangelist with an organization called Hope Now. And um, Hope, together with the Evangelical Alliance and the Church of England, carried out some research back in 2015 and they asked people out there, um, it was a big survey, it was something like 50,000 people in the UK, what they thought about Jesus and Christians and the faith and everything else. You might be quite surprised to learn that two out of uh, every five people in England do not know that Jesus was a real person who actually lived. Uh, under 35s are more likely than older people to think that Jesus was just a fictional character. In total, 22% of people in the UK think Jesus was a mythical figure, while 17% are unsure whether he was real or not. Um, of those who consider Jesus to have been a real person who walked the earth, three out of five also believe in his resurrection from the dead. Uh, overall, 43% of English adults believe in the resurrection. When asked to pick words to describe Jesus, the most common responses were he's spiritual, loving, and peaceful. Most people believe that Jesus was a prophet or spiritual leader, but only 30% believe that he was actually God. Um, so it's a pretty mixed picture out there, isn't it, as to who people think Jesus was and is. And actually, at the time when Jesus rode into Jerusalem, there were all kinds of mixed views um, on who the Messiah would be, God's chosen king, and how he would come and bring in God's kingdom. So it's not just today that there is confusion. There was confusion back in the day of Jesus. Some focused on the Messiah being the king, some focused on the Messiah being the great prophet, promised from the time of Moses, and some focused on the Messiah being the ultimate priest. But there were very, very few who held all three roles together of prophet, priest, and king, and saw that the Messiah, God's chosen king, would fulfill all of those roles prophesied in the Old Testament. I want to look today at some scriptures from the Old Testament that show how Jesus fulfills all three roles as the Messiah King of prophet, priest, and king. And then we're going to see what does that mean for you and I as disciples today? What does it mean that Jesus is, is the prophet? What does it mean that he's the priest? What does it mean that he's the king to me today in 21st century Britain? And then if you don't know, if you, if you, maybe do this when you get home. Um, 
but, but look at the passage today and you'll, you'll just look in the margins of your Bible, see how many Old Testament references are fulfilled just in this one passage. It's astonishing, all right? Matthew is all about fulfillment of prophecy, okay? It's all about Jesus fulfilling the Old Testament expectations of the Messiah and the priest and the prophet and the king. So have a look up in your footnotes, in your margins, when you get home, Matthew 21, and see how many prophecies in the Old Testament you can find that are fulfilled in this passage. Extraordinary. Um, nothing about what happens in Easter week is unplanned, all right? Even down to the soldiers dividing up Jesus' garments from the cross. It's all prophesied, every last bit of it. So there's nothing about Easter week that catches God off guard. Nothing that he's not sovereign over and in control of. And that should give us faith when we come to pray tonight. Horrible, evil, though this war is, Jesus prophesied that there would be earthquakes and famines and war until he comes again. There is nothing that catches God by surprise. I'm not minimizing the evil and injustice and pain. I'm just saying that God is sovereign over all of this. Anyway, that aside, first, Jesus is the prophet. Now, we know that some in the crowd believed that Jesus was some kind of prophet because Matthew tells us that some, in verse 11, believed that he was a prophet. Um, they described him as a prophet. Um, excuse me while I look this up. Matthew uh, chapter uh, 21, verse 10, we read this. When Jesus entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred and asked, who is this? The crowds answered, this is Jesus, the prophet from Nazareth in Galilee. What do they mean? Well, I reckon some of them probably thought, oh, here's another John the Baptist. You know, you remember John the Baptist? He, he was a forerunner. He heralded the coming of the Messiah. So I reckon some of them, at least, were believing that Jesus was possibly another John the Baptist type figure. But there's a whole load of history behind this. You see, back in the time of Moses, Moses made a prophecy in Deuteronomy 18, 15. And he said this, the Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from among you. It is to him you shall listen. I will raise up for them a prophet like you from among their brothers, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. Jesus is the fulfillment of that prophetic hope of another Moses who will be greater than Moses, an even greater prophet than Moses. God, he will speak God's very words as the Son of God. Now, there is some evidence from John's Gospel that some of the people at the time of Jesus were beginning to believe that this really could be the great prophet, the even greater one, the Moses. So after, in John's account, in John chapter 6, Jesus feeds a crowd of 5,000 with just um, five loaves and two small fish. We learn this in John 6:14. When the people saw the sign that he'd done, they said, this is indeed the prophet who is to come into the world. 
So there's evidence that some of the people believed that this was the great prophet in the line of Moses who would speak God's word. Second, Jesus is the priest. Um, the function of the priest in the Old Testament was to represent Israel before God. They would go into the temple and they would offer sacrifices and they would seek God's forgiveness and mercy for the people. Notice that Matthew deliberately places the triumphal entry before Jesus goes into the temple. Why? He wants to show us that Jesus is the ultimate high priest. He wants to show us that Jesus is judging the corrupt temple system. All right. The court of the Gentiles that was supposed to be a place of prayer had been turned into a place of money changing and business. And Jesus is angry, righteously indignant and angry. And he goes in there and he throws over all the tables. Can you imagine? There'd be pigeons and doves flying. There'd be uh, stuff, money all over the floor. There'd be animals running around. There'd be people shouting. And Jesus pronounces God's prophetic judgment on the whole temple system. Um, he uses two prophecies from Jeremiah 7.11 and Isaiah 56.7 when he declares in verse 13, it is written, my house shall be called a house of prayer, but you make it a den of robbers. This should have been the place where God's people were able to pray, including the Gentiles. What was there? It was a business center. It was a market. It was, it had been turned into a den of robbers, money changing hands, business. People should have been praying in those courts. Instead, it was a business center. Jesus judges the whole system, says this should be a house of prayer. And he's uniquely able to do that because he's the priest who is coming to replace the whole temple system. Do you remember in John's gospel, Jesus said, destroy this temple and I will raise it again in three days. And John tells us that by this, he meant his own death and resurrection. In other words, Jesus was becoming the new tabernacle, the place where God's presence dwelt. It would be through faith in Jesus that people could encounter God. Here's a detail in Matthew's gospel. When Jesus died on the cross, do you remember that the temple curtain was torn from top to bottom? Fabric that separated everybody else but the high priest once a year from the presence of God in the Holy Holies was torn in two, which was a symbol that by his death, Jesus was saying to any who have faith in him, you can enter in to that place of intimacy and personal communion with God. There's no barrier anymore. The curtain that separated the rest of the people from God's presence in the temple has been ripped apart. Now in Jesus, you can enter in to the Holy of Holies and have fellowship and friendship with God. Isn't that wonderful? And Jesus did that. As the great high priest, he rent asunder the curtain but he wasn't just the high priest, he was also the perfect lamb of God, the perfect sacrifice who takes away the sin of the world. You see, the priests before had to take an animal 
in there to sacrifice. But Jesus is the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. He's the perfect unblemished Lamb. No other sacrifices are needed after Christ because our sin is dealt with once and for all. It's been taken away. So Jesus is not only the priest who goes in, he offers his own body as a sacrifice on the cross. And God's, Jesus' arms open on the cross as saying, welcome all, come in to the presence of God. Jesus is the great high priest. And he's the great high priest who sympathizes with us in our weakness. Because he was human, yet he was without sin. And so when you pray, Jesus understands your prayers because he's been in your shoes. He understands the weakness of your human condition. He understands all the temptations that you go through. He understands loneliness, suffering, isolation, misunderstanding, because he's walked in our shoes. But as the great high priest, as the son of God, he's able to not just sympathize, but help us. He's able to give us grace and power through the spirit to help us and to heal us. Third, Jesus is the king. Um, Jesus' entry fulfills the prophecy of Zechariah 9.9. Your king comes to you gentle and riding on a donkey. That's what Matthew records. There's another prophecy fulfilled right there. But what type of king? Well, Zechariah 9 verses 9 and 10 tell us this is the type of king that Jesus is. Listen to this. Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, daughter of Jerusalem. See, your king comes to you, righteous and having salvation, gentle and riding on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Now listen to this. I will take away the chariots from Ephraim and the war horses from Jerusalem, and the battle bow will be broken. He will proclaim peace to the nations. His rule will extend from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. There may be tanks in the Ukraine at the moment. There's all sorts of military hardware, but you know the kingdom of God does not come through military might and political power. The kingdom of God comes through a crucified king on a cross who's raised to dead from the dead and who is coming again to establish his eternal kingdom. And that kingdom will stretch from shore to shore. Jesus will renew the heavens and the earth and bring an end to all evil and injustice and pain and suffering. The kingdom has come, but the kingdom is yet to fully come when Jesus returns as the king. And every knee will have to bow and every tongue will have to confess and acknowledge that Jesus Christ is king of kings when he comes in the glory with his angels. That's what's coming. The kingdom is coming. Putin is not in control. Jesus is the coming king. He rules the world with truth and grace. And he's coming to renew the heavens and the earth. He will not bring his kingdom with military might and on human terms. He brings it through Christ. The crowd shout out Hosanna, which means, oh, save. They also cry out to Jesus as son of David. Here's another prophecy fulfilled. You, you know, there's so many prophecies in this passage, it's ridiculous, all right? You start digging, you just find more and more. 
it's right that the crowds are singing out um, Jesus, the son of David. You remember the prophecy way back to David through Samuel, 2 Samuel 7, 16. Your house and your kingdom shall be made sure forever before me. Your throne shall be established forever. You see, Samuel prophesied to David that his kingdom would reign forever, that there would be someone on the throne of David who would reign forever. And here's Jesus, the Messiah King, descended from David, now bringing in the eternal kingdom of God. That's why they call him the son of David, because he's a descendant of David who brings in God's eternal kingdom and fulfills this prophecy. If you ever tempted to think God is not, doesn't know what he's doing and isn't in control of the world, just look at scripture. Everything that God promises comes to fulfillment. Everything that Jesus has promised and has not yet come to fulfillment will come to fulfillment. Hallelujah. We don't need to be wobbling. We don't need to be fearful. We need to be trusting in the word. The reason Matthew records all of these Old Testament prophecies, he wants people like you and me to have faith that when God makes a promise, he always delivers. Have faith, people. Um, most Jews at the time of Jesus emphasized one of these three strands, prophet, priest, king. Very few held all of those three themes together. Matthew wants us to see that Jesus as the Messiah fulfills all three roles. And here's where it gets personal. What does that mean for you and me sat here today as disciples of Jesus in the 21st century? First of all, prophet. What does it mean that Jesus is our prophet? It means that he is God's spokesperson. He is the authoritative word of God. He is the fullness of God's revelation. So when you see Jesus, his life and character in this book, the Bible, you are seeing the fullest revelation of God's word and glory that you can see this side of eternity. I don't know how you come to this book um, every day. I hope you read this every day. If you don't, you should. I'm not telling you that. That's what Jesus commands, that we read and feed on his word. Do you treat this as a, a kind of history book or a rule book? Or do you expect to come and meet with Christ? Jesus is the word of God. He's the living embodiment of God's word. When God gave us this word in scripture, he intended that we should meet with the risen Christ through it. Now that's exciting, isn't it? Um, how easily we turn devotion time into a tick box exercise though, don't we? Done that, thank you, move on, emails, right? It's not how, this is a love letter, this is a living love letter from God about his son Jesus to us and he wants us to read it in the power of the Spirit and encounter the risen Christ. That will make a difference to you. If this has become a dry uh, history book, then you need to be asking the Spirit to set your heart on fire for the Word of God again. 
We've all gone through those seasons, all right? When we're just ticking boxes. I do it because I feel guilty if I don't. God wants you to encounter his son in the power of the spirit through Holy Scripture. He wants you to enjoy reading the Bible. He wants you to love it. He wants you to feel as though if you haven't read scripture every day, you haven't brushed your teeth. Do you know what I mean? That you, there's something missing. There's something you're, you're missing out on if you don't read this book. If that's not you, ask the spirit to set your heart on fire again. God wants to give you a passion for his word. He wants you to meet with Christ. You see, the Pharisees had turned this book into a rule book, hadn't they? And Jesus said, the problem with you guys, you know this book inside out, but you don't know me. <laughs> Jesus wants to meet us in this book and to change us because he is the prophet who speaks God's word to us. And it's a living word. Uh, second, Jesus is the priest. Jesus is the one who leads us into the very presence of God. Do you believe that? Let me tell you a little story. During the war between the states, a young soldier in the Union Army lost his older brother and his father in the Battle of Gettysburg. The soldier decided to go to Washington, D.C. to see President Lincoln to ask for an exemption from military service so that he could go back and help his sister and mother with spring planting on the farm. When he arrived in Washington after having received furlough from the military to go and plead his case, he went to the White House, approached the front gate, and he asked to see the president. Well, the guard on duty told him, you can't see the president. Don't you know there's a war going on? Get back to the battle lines where you belong. So the young soldier left and he was sitting on a park bench disheartened when a little boy came up to him and said, soldier, you look unhappy, what's wrong? And so the soldier told him what the problem was, told the, the little boy of his father and brother being killed in the war and the desperate situation at home. The boy listened and said, I can help you. He took the soldier by the hand and he led him to the front gate of the White House. Apparently the guards didn't notice them, they weren't stopped. They walked straight to the front door of the White House and walked right in. And after they got inside, they walked right past generals and high-ranking officials. No one said a word. And the soldier thought, why hasn't anybody stopped us? Finally, they reached the Oval Office. The president was working. And the little boy didn't even knock on the door. He just walked right in and led the soldier in with him. And there behind the desk was Abraham Lincoln and his secretary of state. The president looked at the boy and then at the soldier and said, good afternoon, Todd. Can you introduce me to your friend? And Todd Lincoln, the son of the president said, daddy, this soldier needs to talk to you. And the soldier pled his case before Mr. Lincoln. And right there and then, he received the exemption that he desire, desired. True story. Jesus is the one who takes us by the hand and he leads us into the very throne room of the Father where we can say, Daddy. Isn't that amazing? We don't have any right to be there. 
But Jesus bids us come because he's torn the temple curtain in two. And we can enter into that place of intimacy in prayer with the Father and say, Father, hear me. And the Father says, yes, I see you've come with my son in the name of the son. What do you want? What can I do for you? Isn't that marvelous? That's the priest. That's Jesus, the great high priest, who's able to sympathize with us in our weakness because he's been human just like us. And he leads us into the throne room of the Father, where the Father says, come in, you're welcome. Jesus is the king. Jesus conquers sin and death and evil, not through military might, not through tanks, missiles and launches. He conquers through the cross and resurrection and through his coming again to renew the heavens and the earth. That's how he conquers. He conquers through sacrifice. His victory is won over the cross, through the cross, and his victory over death and the grave. So what does all this mean? If Jesus is the king, well, will we surrender every day to the king? I don't know how you begin your day. Um, do you lay the day out before God as your king and say, Lord, be king over every conversation that I'm having today? Be king and Lord over all the emails I send today, all the writing that I do today, all the work that I'm doing today. Be king over it. Do you say, Holy Spirit, come in and reign over my heart, over my mind, over my words, over my listening? Do you say, Lord, be with me in that difficult conversation? Be Lord, speak through me. Do you lay it out before God or do you just go rattling headlong into the day in your own strength? We all do it. Jesus would say to us this morning, give over your life. Surrender every part of your day to the king because you need the power of God to overcome sin and temptation every moment of the day. Are we surrendering through the day? Are we offering up those prayers before we send the email or make that phone call or make that visit or do that difficult chore that we need to do in the workplace are we constantly in prayer talking to the father through the son making jesus and his kingdom lord and prominent in our lives or are we going about each day and each moment in our own strength ask yourself are you fully surrendered to the king are you living under his authority or your own J.I. Packer gives this challenge to us in following Jesus, our prophet, priest, and king. I quote, We who believe are called to understand this and to show ourselves his people by obeying him as our king, trusting him as our priest, and learning from him as our prophet and teacher. To center on Jesus Christ in this way is the hallmark of authentic Christianity. Is that how we're living? Is Jesus each moment, each day, our prophet, 
our priest, our king. Let's pray. Jesus, we confess that so often we, we don't submit to you as our prophet, our priest, and our king. We don't surrender all that we are and have to you. Lord, we, we run headlong into our activity and busyness, not in the strength and power of the Spirit, but Lord, in our own strength. Lord, have mercy on us. Please forgive us and cleanse us. And Holy Spirit, we want to say again today, we surrender to Jesus as our King, as our prophet, as our priest. Thank you, Jesus, that as our priest, you usher into us into the presence of God. Thank you that as our prophet, you speak to us life-giving words through Scripture. And thank you that as our King, you are sovereign over our lives and over the whole earth. Lord, we bow the knee again. We surrender. We take up our cross and we follow this Jesus. And we ask, Holy Spirit, that you would fill us now, that we might walk in the footsteps of Jesus. In his name we pray. Amen. So let's finish by singing, all glory to God who is able. I surrender, leave. 
Thank you, Father, that you are a mighty God. You're a mighty King. You are our prophet and priest and King. And Lord, as we go out into this week, Lord, help us to walk in the light of your love, in the light of the fact that you have saved us, you've redeemed us. And so, Lord, give us confidence as we go out to proclaim you as our prophet, priest, and King. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you for joining us this morning. We look forward to seeing you on Friday for Good Friday service and also on Easter Sunday for the baptisms. Um, it's going to be a great week, isn't it? So please, please join us next week. Um, those on Zoom, you may unmute now. And